It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into the 2022 NBA draft class recapping it all with Derek Murray of basketballnews.com and preview 2023's NBA draft class. Plus, how will this season go for the Oklahoma City Thunder? All this and more coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and Aaron Chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Bet Online. We're going to join. We're joined by NBA Draft Scouting Advisor Derek Murray, who spent time in the Thunder front office to break down the 2022 NBA draft class and look ahead to the upcoming season. Remember for all your betting needs, go to betonline.net. But Derek, how are you doing as we kind of get into August and get into uh, the more slow period of the NBA season before it ramps right back up next month? Ryland, what's going on, man? Appreciate you having me. Uh, yeah. Last couple of weeks, like ever since summer league, you know, there was one more live period for high school basketball over at peach jam and Adidas had a session as well. And, other than that, I've been chilling. Honestly, it's kind of like my summer, if you will. My wife's a teacher, so kind of compare it to her off season. The last couple of weeks have been nice just to kind of relax a little bit, go see the family. But already looking ahead to 2023, um, Matt and I and our work, we already we always try to stay about two drafts ahead. So we could probably draft for this next one tomorrow if we had to. So we're feeling pretty good. And it looks like the Thunder are going to be in a good spot for another top pick. So we'll see what happens. But a lot to look forward to. A lot to look forward to, and I'm sure that you're glad that the NBA cycle is kind of back on its normal schedule, especially with you know your family life getting to match up the summers with your with your wife and everything. That's a lot of fun. Uh, but 2022, you mentioned it. You were all over. You were at the draft. You were at Summer League. Of course, you were dominating the pre-draft coverage as well. Uh, but being at the draft, you got to see live how Paulo Benquero was the number one overall pick, and Jabari Smith Jr. was still there for the Thunder. And so with that surprise, uh, how how did you feel whenever the Thunder did not deviate from their plan and just went with Chet Holmgren? I think it says a lot for, you know, how confident they were about picking him. Um, and also, like, kind of the the stomach to stick with your guns, even when kind of a wrench was thrown into, quote, maybe the plans or what you would expect it to happen. I think that they were very comfortable with how he's going to fit on this team both next year and maybe the foreseeable future, 10, 12 years as well. Um, so props to them for just kind of sticking to their guns. And again, he, he looked great in summer league. Uh, the blah, everybody saw the blocks the very first night where Twitter and the internet went wild for him. Um, and then of course there were a couple moments of concern, but I, I think he's going to be awesome. Um, I think he fits really well. I'm glad he was able to showcase his on ball stuff 
especially um, especially in summer league. I don't know how much of that he'll be able to do during the regular season because, in my opinion, it is SGA and Giddy's kind of offense to run. Um, that being said, I think that they knew exactly what they wanted. I think that they got the guy that they wanted the entire time. And Paolo going one, even though it was a shock to us up in New York, um, I don't think it really threw the Thunder off their plans too much. So you mentioned it there. I mean, how, how do you see this going with SGA and Josh Giddy and Chet Holmgren now becoming this trio? How, how do you see them fitting all together? I think you're going to see Chet in kind of a stretch five role early on in the career where, again, SGA and Giddy, it's going to be their offense to run. They're going to be the ones bringing the ball up the floor, handling a lot of the pick and roll duties. But you need to let Chet get his ISO buckets, you know, when they're there. I, I do not want to see a situation where you kind of put him in a box. You know, a lot of teams sometimes will put young guys in a box. I'd rather just say, hey, as long as you're playing within yourself and within the system that we have designed to run, you know, do what you want to do because you're that good. So I think you'll see a lot of freedom. Um, just within probably an assigned role. And I think offensively, he's going to score. He'll dunk. He'll hit some, I I expect, a lot of catch-and-shoot threes. But the defense is what I'm really excited for, just that shot blocking. Like, that's something that Thunder needed really badly last year. Um, And that's where I think he's going to make a huge impact, like, right off the bat. Yeah, and last year, Mark started Josh Giddy right away, game one, and let let him cook and let him go from game one all the way through his end of the season. So I think that we'll see that same idea with Chet. It'll just be interesting to see how they kind of all three fit together. But how important was it that Josh Giddy played so much, not just in Salt Lake City as we originally thought, but played in Vegas as well with Chet Holmgren? Like, does that give the Thunder any sort of edge in terms of figuring out chemistry and figuring out, uh, especially those two's pairing? I do. I think that's why every year there's usually a couple guys who are probably, quote, too good to play in summer league that play even a couple games to see how they gel with the young guys. Like last year for me, it was Desmond Bain. You know, Desmond, they, they ended up, the Grizzlies ended up playing him in summer league. And I thought, why is he out here? <laughs> like, what is going on? And they just needed to let him get some minutes at point to see how he created out of pick and roll, which he did a lot in college, and to see how he meshed and gelled with the young guys. And this year, I think for Giddy, I don't think it's only for Chet, though. It was interesting. I think it was to see how he and J-Dub play together as well. Because Williams was off the ball a lot in summer league, which again he was very on ball heavy in college. And combine at the combine, you saw the flashes of off ball, you know, the cutting, the slashing, and I think seeing them together as well as Chet is what was super important. So I don't think it was just just the other two guys. Yeah, you're right because I mean that, that summer league roster, you, you take Giddy off of it as they did in the later stages. There was not a, a true point guard necessarily. I mean, Gaddy was really good. Of course, he's one of the best assist leaders with the blue and everything, but that really helped everyone on the roster have Giddy playing in summer league. Was there anything about Giddy's game that really stood out to you in terms of like a four month improvement from him? Not necessarily a basketball skill improvement. I think it was a little bit of the chippiness. Like he played with a chip on his shoulder a lot. He was talking, (laughs) he was talking a lot of crap, (laughs) like sitting down there close to the floor, every single game. He had something to say to everybody. And not in a bad way, and like a competitive edge way, which you need in your best player. So that was really nice to see. A um, couple of games I saw, too, he was just letting the officials have it from start to finish. And again, I don't mind. Like, even though some people may be like annoyed, you know, oh, what is he doing? It tells me he's comfortable. He knows his place in this league. He knows his place on this team. And he knows his role as a leader, as an emerging leader. So that that was really interesting to me more than anything like basketball related. And so last year with Josh Giddy, we, we saw him and Shea, you know, 
kind of try to get on the same page. Obviously, there was injuries and things that threw them off, and they had their best ever game. You know, the the game that Josh Giddy got hurt. Uh, this the the first game after uh, All Star break, and they had like a little meeting that Josh Giddy described between you know Sam and Mark and uh, Shea and Giddy. They all had like a meeting at the All Star break, and then the first game back, they had their best game against Phoenix, and then they never played together again. So like, is that like a good rough guideline of when things start to figure? figure themselves out in Nash. Like, should we, should we expect as long as everyone's healthy that around the all-star break, right after the all-star break, we'll start to see even a better form of, of Chet, Giddy and Shea as a pairing. I think so. You know, the early part of the year in teams that are very young and still growing and developing together, it is a little bit of trial and error, trial by fire, however, however you want to, you know, describe that you have to see what works. Then you also have to go win games with what you know works. And the all-star break is a great time to regroup and really say, all right, what exactly are we looking at here? So that's where I think the Thunder are really, really good is every year you have rookies kind of come out of the all-star break, maybe a little bit more understanding of their role, of their responsibilities. Hey, what do we need to work on? How do we mesh together? How do we play together? So I would expect, again, I think Chet's going to be really good right off the bat. Um, Jalen or J-Dub, forget often I have to call them by their different nicknames at this point. I think Williams is going to be really good for them pretty early. Uh, he's the one that I want to see after the All-Star break if they continue to use him in the same way because he's so versatile. I think he can be used in a variety of ways. So he'll be the one that I'll probably focus on more more so after that break. So including the top of the draft, we saw that big surprise in Paolo Bencuro. Just real quick, did, did you see any advantage in the Magic doing that? Or was it just simply, hey, you know, we're not going to leak our pick just because we don't have to leak our pick? Like, was there any, was there any strategic advantage of why they – wouldn't want you to know the first overall pick. So there was some chatter at and during the combine that the gut reactions down in Orlando were that they wanted and were going to take Bancaro. So that was out there. We didn't feel comfortable saying any of that publicly because there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough fire or smoke to that, but it was it was there. Um, and then it was just Jabari the whole way. The night before, obviously, we all saw the odds odd switch and then probably about an hour before the draft we found out like oh this is real they're doing it like this is done so i said okay i don't think the magic necessarily gained anything you know looking back i don't think they gained anything by hiding their pick that being said i think they did it the right way i think they did the right thing because if you can bait the thunder or houston into trading 2-1 because you thought they wanted somebody else and then they still get their guy Paolo at two or three, like then you have to at least try. Like you cannot leave assets, potential assets on the table. So I respect what they did. I think they did it the right way. It just didn't provide any kind of value at the end of the day that they wanted to. But I don't think they did anything wrong. I don't see anything wrong with it. It was an attempt. It didn't work. Like props to them for keeping their mouth shut and being so tight-lipped, like good for them. It was it was good practice to, to worry about not letting uh, secrets leak out of the out of the organization, but we'll talk about two more lottery picks. The Thunder had a huge draft class this year uh, coming up, but first, I want to say right now, we're good friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net's the fastest and best way to bet on all of your betting needs. Find the latest sports events and the latest odds, rumors, lines, and games with reviews of every league, including the MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sporting wagering information from live betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head on over right now to Bet Online to on your mobile device or your computer. Bet Online is where the game starts. And if you're like me, and the only sport you would feel comfortable wagering hard-earned money on is basketball, 
you can still bet on basketball right now. You can go to the basketball tab on BetOnline with the NBA future odds. You can bet on team wins. You can even bet on uh, specials like how many points per game will uh, Chet Holmgren score in his rookie season. And even something funny like this. Who will tweet the Kevin Durant trade first? Shams or Woj? Woj right now is the favorite at minus 120. So if you feel confident in who the newsbreaker will be, Go check that out, and you can even bet on who Kevin Durant's new team will be. So, Derek, who do you think Kevin Durant will land with? Will he stay in Brooklyn with this new meeting coming up uh, with the Nets, or will he be traded? I don't have any kind of insight at all here. My gut tells me he'll stay in Brooklyn for at least a little while. I just – the Go Bear trade shifted the market so much in how many picks and how many assets are required to get a, you know, quote, star-level player. You know, what was it? Four picks, a swap, and a bunch of really good young players went out to Utah. So I just think Kevin commands so much that at 30, I forget how old he is, at, you know, whatever that age is, I don't know if teams are willing to completely gut and mortgage their future right now for a, for a deal, a package that was bigger than what Minnesota sent Utah. So I just feel like the market's just really, really thin. I do think eventually he gets moved. Um, but my gut, I just, I don't know. I don't think it would be anytime soon. It's just that asking price is so, so high. I think Brooklyn says fine. Then we're just going to keep you for a little while. Yeah. And they have the leverage to do that. I think that, I think that you're right with no, with no insight or anything, but like, I think that you're right because of the, they're going to have that meeting. It sounds like they're going to just say, Hey, look, Kevin, just work with us for a little bit. We'll get you out of here whenever we can. If that's a deadline, if that's December, if that's whenever we'll get you out of here. Just, it can't happen right now in the next month. Cause we just don't have anything on the table right now, but hey, you can, hey, you're, you're too good. No one has enough to give us back how good you are. <laughs> you can bet on it right now with the Celtics being the favorite at betonline.net. But online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Well, the Thunder still have a lot of lottery picks to talk about. Two more to be exact. And the first one was probably the most surprising one. Three first-round picks traded to get number 11, and they bring back Usman Jang. What, what is your long-term vision for this? And was this pick as surprising for you as it was for all of us? So this is the one that was not surprising to me at all. Uh, I had Jang as a lottery guy going into the year, and it did not look good for me early in November and December when the NBL started. <laughs> he really struggled to score. He struggled at the rim. He struggled shooting. And I had some people talking to me. They're like, Derek, you're, you're not looking so good right now on, on your, your Jang lottery train you've been driving this whole like preseason. You know, watching him back, I've probably watched three, watched him for three or four years over in France, and he just continually dominates his peers at his age group continues to grow, was a 6'3 point guard, now he's 6'10", growing into his body, go, jumps into a league of adults, of grown men. He wasn't going to be good right off the bat. So I just kept kind of pushing guys like, hey, Jang's the real deal, Jang's the real deal. For him to go in the lottery, uh, especially to the Thunder, 
vindicated me a little bit. I definitely sent out some texts when that pick. I was kind of like a little bit of a told you so moment. So that was fun for me. I did not see him being a guy that you trade three future first for. So that in itself, that kind of haul surprised me. What that told me, though, is that the Thunder are heavily, heavily invested in making it work with him. You have a 6'10", highly intelligent kid, great teammate, great kid, great work ethic, who is established on the ball throughout his career. If you can develop him off the ball, turn him into a decent catch-and-shoot guy from three, I mean, you have, honestly, a versatile monster. And that's what's been telling in the last couple of drafts what the Thunder want, size, intelligence, versatility, and passing. Like anybody who has those kind of combination, look at the three guys they picked in the lottery. Even though they're different, they have all of those things. So it didn't shock me that he went lottery. Three first-round picks given up um, did, even though none of those I anticipate being as high as pick 11, you know, at the end of the day. Um, but it's going to work long-term because they're going to invest in him. What will be interesting to me is if he starts out in the G League. I would probably start him in the G League, similar to Poku two years ago, like, not that he and Puka were the same player, but very much get him in the system and let them play right now. Like, do not let them get stuck in that middle ground of, oh, is he playing with the Thunder? Is he playing with the Blue? He's not really getting a ton of minutes everywhere. Like, pick one and give him minutes and let him figure it out. Because if it does, he's going to be really, really good. Yeah, this is clearly an investment in what he can become. And I, I think that you're right. You beat me to the punch uh, on the G League question with the, with the news that the, the Blue will get to stay in the Paycom Center, at least for this season, um, after the NBA did not want them to, or the G League did not want them to. Uh, I, I think that that becomes a huge tool for Usman Jang because not only will he get minutes, but I think that he'll get more ball handling minutes in the G League than he ever would in the NBA this season right now. And so I think that you'll see him be a guy who uh, might get called up and, and sit on the bench for the Thunder and be a part of the team because the Thunder like to do that, obviously, for home games. But the, the main portion of his playing time, I think, will come with the G League to get him kind of in his role that he's best at and kind of not perfected, but kind of just polish it more and get better at it and things of that nature. But how do you see him projecting the balance between that, between being on ball, which I think he's best at, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, or, you know, and being off ball too, as well in a half court offense with all these other ball handlers and Josh Giddy, SGA. Now Chet Holmgren takes up the ball too. What does his role look like whenever the game might slow down, kind of be in more of a half-court situation in two or three years in the playoffs. Like, how do you project him playing off of other people? Yeah, again, I believe that Shea and Giddy are both here for the long haul, and it's their offense to run. So even no matter how high on-ball usage of a guy in college you have, I think on this Thunder team, his usage on-ball automatically drops. Like, again, J-Dub's going to be probably a prime example of that. Jang... Jang is the, the versatility is why I think the Thunder liked him that high where he doesn't have to be on the ball, but when you do need him to be, he already excels with that skill set. So I think you'll see it in spurts, you know, in a couple of years when he's on the Thunder full time. Um, I do think you'll see it in spurts. It won't be his primary role. That's why I think develop like yes, let him get his on ball reps in the G League, but I would work on him as an off ball shooter as well. Because on the Thunder, that's probably going to be at least like half of his role. Like he's not going to come up to the Thunder and be like, hey, you're our pick and roll guy now. Like that just will probably never be the case. So in the G League, yes, you want him to get his on-ball minutes. But I would let him – I would work on just catch and shoot. What do you look like moving without the ball um, as well? Because I think that kind of split for anybody drafted in the future is probably the role you're looking at. And then 
the the last pick in the lottery, Jalen Williams, has stolen the heart of Thunder fans, obviously. Uh, and and he really flew up boards during the pre-draft process, uh, and even before that selection in his in his pre-draft media availability. Uh, he told me that Oklahoma City was one of the teams that watched him most closely, and and he called it, you know, he called it the West Coast, you know, syndrome type of thing, where playing on the West Coast, people didn't really like go and and follow his game or whatever in the NBA. He said that the Thunder were a team that stood out as always watching him closely and monitoring him closely in his college career, even being in Santa Clara. Uh, but how how did this rise happen to to be picked where he was picked at twelve? Uh, it, it, I think that it was the right pick. I think that he's been fantastic so far in summer league. And, and you can see the vision for his long-term fit, but how, how do you balance? Is this like a good, is this like a good example of how you balance the pre-draft combined and private workouts with the college tape and make the decision that to kind of move him up boards? Yeah. So I, I'm always wary of guys who take a huge leap at the combine when the college, either numbers, efficiency, usage, or tape, like, don't totally match up. Um, his did match up. And that's where it made a ton of sense. Because, again, heavy usage on the ball, extremely efficient shooter, phenomenal pick-and-roll passer. Like, if you watch his college film as a pick-and-roll passer, it's crazy. Sees every window, can pass with either hand, on the move, any direction. It's beautiful. Catch and shoot, shooting off the dribble, had it all. Then he goes to the combine and jumps a 39 and measures a plus 9.7-inch wingspan. That those kind of numbers, that those are the ones that make you go, okay. So he's got those tools and all the numbers and tape and intel all line up. Like we've got a serious prospect here. Um, I got calls a couple weeks before the draft, and Matt and I are doing some intel work that there were some teams that had him in the top 10. Um, I do think he quickly became a guy that if you want him, you move up for him. Uh, I just don't think any teams in the teens who really wanted him. And there were a couple, you know, looking at the list now, I know of at least like two that wanted to get up and get him really, really badly. The Thunder picking him at 12 made a ton of sense. He wasn't going to fall much further. Uh, you had to take your guy there. So it shows that they did their homework on him. Um, and again, I don't like combine risers every year, but he was one where everything up to that point also checked out. So it made a ton of sense. And then the last uh, pick in this draft, another four player draft for the Thunder, which I think that some people were surprised by that, you know, nationally, considering that they just had another four-person draft and the roster crunch. But to me, I thought that the Thunder, if they if they liked four guys, they were going to take four guys and not going to be hamstrung by what the current situation on the roster was. But they do take Jalen Williams at 34, and I thought that that was interesting, the player more so than the fourth, you know, more so than taking a fourth player. Uh, but how, how do you think that he fits in the NBA? He had a he had a strong close to summer league, but uh, of course struggled out of the gates in summer league. But w- what is his mold in the modern NBA? Weirdly enough, very similar to JRE. <laughs> um, like they're very different players, but the picks around the same pick in the draft and back-to-back years make a ton of sense. Um, I think you're looking at a backup center for probably a decent amount of time. Again, highly competitive, highly intelligent, big body, physically tough, uh, knows his role, understands what he's asked to do. I think he's going to be in the league for a long time as a backup center. My concern the outside shooting, he's shown he's willing to do it, which I think is really cool. I've, I loved going over to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, the last couple of years and watching him. I thought as a freshman, he was probably worth taking as a flyer late second, decided to come back. Um, glad he was picked in the top, you know, 35, because I thought he was worth that. The foot speed is going to concern me. The lateral quickness, switchability, get him out on the perimeter on defense. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but again, great kid, great competitor. Um, he's going to do all the work to figure it out. So 
it may, makes sense. You get a guy early second. You don't want to take a high upside swing. You get a guy who I think has a high floor that you can keep on the roster for a handful of years as a backup, and it makes a ton of sense. So coming up, let's preview the 2022 season and talk about that 2023 NBA draft class as you're two drafts ahead. Instead of being two years away from being two years away, you're you're two years ahead of being two years ahead. So we're, we're excited about that. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So like next year, I think the Thunder, I'm curious to see how high their pick ends up being. Because you know, you watch, some, you watch them during summer league, you look at the roster and at during sometimes you're like, man, I don't know how this team, if you play the best players all year, I don't know how they're bad enough to be rock bottom. That being said, you look at the team list in the league, a lot of teams are trying to be competitive. Um, a lot of teams are trying to be competitive. So I don't think the bottom will be as, I think, mean, you know, maybe last two years you had probably 12 teams that are like, you know what, heck, let's see if we can get to the bottom. This year you're probably looking at seven or eight. Like right now you have, Utah and Takeathon projected 11th. Like I don't think they'll be that high. I just right. think whether they sit on Evan Mitchell, trade him again. I don't ever like to project guys being moved, but I just I don't see the moves Utah has made as them trying to win many ball games. So I think they'll be at the bottom. Houston's going to be super young. San Antonio is like all in on the Wimbenyama sweepstakes. The Pacers right. probably are going to be pretty rough <laughs> i just i the thunder to me competing for that bottom may have to be a little bit intentional so we'll see what happens the good thing is i think there's a bona fide top two in next year's draft um where this year i thought there was a bona fide top four with the thompson twins at overtime elite it could very well be a top four again so again it's hard to project a year out based on what some of the incoming freshmen will do as far as volume and statistics and how efficient these guys are but I think there are a couple guys in that top 10 where, you know, if you get them, you, you can get guys at five, six, seven, eight, and be extremely happy if that's what ends up happening. And, and you're absolutely right on that being hard to project. That's why it's, it's, it's interesting that you do that whole staying a couple drafts ahead because it, it allows you to see the entire draft cycle. Like for me last year, at the start of the college season, I thought Patrick Baldwin Jr. was going to be a top 10 pick. Like I thought he was going to be awesome. And, you know, sadly for him, it, you know, he, he faltered a bit, of course, later on in the draft to later on in the draft due to injuries and things like that. So like, you get to see that how this thing really changes. I know that, you know, Jaden Hardy's another one that people thought was going to be top uh, top of the draft. And he ends up in the second round, goes to Dallas, which I think is a good situation for him. But I, I like that you do that exercise of staying ahead. You know, it not only gets you more information, but also you get to see how the life cycle goes of the draft. But for 2022, the Thunder had a great offseason, obviously, re-signing Lou Dort, uh, Muscala back as a leader, and then extending Kenny Hustle. Also hiring uh, Chip England and uh, Vince Rossman uh, this offseason. What, what was your favorite move that the Thunder made? Or, or if you don't want to pinpoint a favorite move, kind of what was your letter grade overall for the Thunder this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think extending Kenny Hustle is super important. It's just one of those guys where he makes winning plays and provides a winning impact. You know, it's not what it looks like. It, what does it produce like? And that's where I think – that Williams makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it was a good move. He also is a guy that 
doesn't have to be in the spotlight and understands his role just like he did in college. So I think he's the kind of guy you want in the locker room long term. Um, Rosman was a great hire in the front office for guys who don't know him or his backstory or anything like that. Vince is really good, <laughs> um, really good. So uh, I, I think that was a great hire as well. And again, with some of these signings, um, again, Muscala being back, the Dort deal, I really, really like, even though the number seems really big. You know, I think I said, I think I said it on another show, and I told people about a summer league, like, yes, that number looks huge right now. But in three, four years, if the cap keeps going up, that number will be smaller and smaller. So I think he's the kind of guy where just like the Suns run, you know, you have to have Mikel Bridges. He's not the star. He's not the star of the show. He's not in the spotlight. But he wins you ball games. And Dort, to me, is that guy on this team. So you had to extend him, and I really like that deal. And, I mean, if, if Chip also, not only the cap rising, of course, that's a, that's a great point with the financials, but if Chip also can help him get better from three, more consistent from three, that increases his value, which makes the pay uh, a lot better. I, I thought that, you know, he'd come in around 15 annually. I think it's like 17 annually now, you know, with this contract. So I didn't think it was too much of an, of an overpay by any means by the Thunder or, or something to worry about. But you did mention Vince there, uh, and as somebody who's been in front offices and, and, and works around front offices and helps them get ready for the draft and stuff like that, how how important is it that he's made the move to OKC? And to me, it signaled that he believes in what the Thunder are doing and believes in where the tribute is heading. But also, he's obviously a very valuable commodity because he survived so many regimes in Philadelphia. And obviously, when a new GM comes in or a new president of basketball operations comes in, they're going to want to get their guys in there. But yet, they kept him around this entire time. So it kind of just speaks to what you're talking about of how valuable he is and how good at his job he is. Yeah, he's really connected. Um, great people person, really connected, a guy you want to hang out with, um, a guy that you trust with information. And that's what's really important in this front office is who can you trust with information? Who can you trust to get good intel? And that's what Vince is really good at. You know, I think he was with the Sixers for 15 years, 14. Like it was a lot. And he worked his way up. So he knows the bottom. He knows how to be an intern. He knows how to coordinate scouting. And then he's great on the road as a scout as well. So I just think he brings a new, fresh perspective to the front office. Um, and again, a guy who's willing to do the work and is, he's loyal. That's what it shows, too, that he's, he's loyal to a front office, to a cause. Um, and I think that's really important. So, again, I just think I won't go too much into else what it, like what he's good at. But Vince, he's a great hire. So Thunder fans, even though he won't be in the limelight much, probably won't be doing pressers or anything. Uh, he's a good guy to have on your side. Yeah, I think that he might do one presser a year. Like they had – uh, they had Dawkins there for the for the draft night presser, so maybe they'll do one a year. But uh, he's going to be really good behind the scenes, orchestrating things uh, and, and taking on that role. Now, is there anyone on this roster that you look at? And obviously, they have a roster crunch coming up, and we'll finalize that roster, you know, October seventeenth or whatever. But is there anyone coming up in this roster that you have kind of pinpoint as I think that he, that this person is going to take a big leap? Um, weirdly enough, I think it's J Dub. <laughs> uh, you know, you can't really project a leap if you know per se from a rookie, but I do think that J Dub is going to be like really, really good. Um, the other one I'm going to say is Giddy. Again, Giddy comes in and it's no longer a rookie figuring out my role. We know he's a great passer, and it was I know it's just summer league. I don't like overreactions. But the edge and chippiness, competitive fire, the no-nonsense, like the willing to kind of chirp back at officials and get on to people, you've got to have that in, a, in an emerging leader as a lead guard. 
And seeing that in him, I think, will propel him to whatever that next step looks like, whether it's 10 assists a game. I still firmly believe with Chip England teaching people how to shoot that that is a possibility on this roster. Or whether it's not he becomes a higher scorer. Um, you know, Shea's on the bench or Shea goes off the ball a little more. Now Giddy's getting to the bucket. I just think Giddy, I expect to be like something really, really special. Now, if, if you feel comfortable answer, answering this, if, if I had you running the show for the Thunder, would you spend this season just playing it out as it lies and, and just going full force and just seeing what, however your team manages? Or would you maybe reposition the team at the All-Star break, as we mentioned, and try to get involved with, uh, with the top of this draft class? Ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to respectfully not answer that one. <laughs> I, I've got to. I've got to keep you, my streak I'll talk alive. To you about that one after we're done recording. I've got to keep my streak alive of asking you a question that on the hot seat where you can't answer on the pod. But but uh, you know, just in in this uh, 2023 draft class, you mentioned it before that there's a clear top two. Uh, Victor and Scoot Henderson, I believe, would be your top mm-hmm. two. Obviously, uh, so is that where the cutoff is as of this moment for like blue chip talent that you think could just revolutionize an organization? Yeah, I think right now they're the two that I'm comfortable and most teams around the league are comfortable saying these are the two game changers. You know, a lot of Twitter basketball fans in general, um, after four years of being like this, finally know who Victor Wembanyama is. <laughs> I mean, he's been ridiculous since he was a little kid um, and, and it's been really fun to watch, watch him develop. Scoot, you know, I was in a workout with him um, in Vegas. I mean, he's like Kawhi hands, tremendous build still a young kid, as explosive and fast, both downhill and vertically explosive, as you'll see. Um, competitive, tough, like he's the ultimate alpha, little Jaden Ivey-ish, uh, better athlete. Like he's he's crazy. So Scoot's going to be generational. The Thompson twins are really close to me, or, or really close for me, should I say, right now, as far as guys who maybe go third and fourth you know, have some Wiggins in their game, some Wiggins flashes of, is, is this the best player we've seen, you know, in, in X amount of years? These kids have been crazy since they were little, um, from California over to Overtime Elite. A lot of fun. A lot of fans got to see them in the TBT. Their clips were kind of all over the internet, all over Twitter. Uh, Amen and Asar, they're pretty different uh, as far as, like, what their strengths are. Amen's a really, really good defender, like, incredible defender. And Asar is probably a little bit more of a scorer. But again, six, seven, incredible, incredible athletes, like maybe the easiest leapers we've seen in a long time. And then there's some guys after that that I think definitely, quote, definitely round out the lottery as of today. Um, but those two, those four are probably the ones, you know, 11 months out from a draft that I'm saying, like, those are the dudes. And I'm not really worried about that changing. So with the Thunder, obviously, they're in all likelihood, not going to be bottom three this year uh, um, or bottom four. They had a hard time getting bottom four the last two years, so it'll be uh, difficult, I think, this year to get there. Uh, But with the Thunder, if everything pans out, kind of already have three game changers or game breakers. You can you can push back on that if you want to, but, I mean, SGA, Chet, Giddy, uh, they they could turn into game breakers, all three of them respectfully. And so you might not necessarily need a blue chip game breaker. You might just need... A really good player. So where does the really good player drop off at? Like, like where's the where's the talent drop off in this? Where if you're not going to be a playoff team that's going to contend, where do you want to get to and not and not miss the boat, so to say? I think you want to at least get to eight or nine 
again, looking this far in advance. Dariq Whitehead at Duke is going to be awesome. Cam Whitmore at Villanova, for anybody who follows the FIBA stuff at USA, was dominant. I mean, average like high 20s points with some of the most awesome dunks you'll see this whole season. He already has them. Um, Nick Smith Jr. at Arkansas is going to be a really, really special scorer. After that, you know, I don't know quite where the game breakers are afterward. There's a couple good bigs. Uh, there are some guys who are right on that fence. You know, getting out multiple drafts ahead, one of the things it helps us do is pinpoint based on high school tape, film, intel, and all of our, you know, traveling around high school circuits are who are the Jaden Hardy, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Caleb Houston's that a lot of people think are going to be top 10 right now that maybe I won't say likely aren't, but have a good chance of slipping. And identifying those guys are what's really, really important so you can focus your time there. Um, and I think after that kind of eight or nine, you start to get into those guys. So eight, nine right now, if you can get there, you're going to get a very, very, very good player. So not going to ask for any inside sourcing on this. I'm just asking the question of, does the timing match up for 2023, the Thunder making an all-in move to really put themselves on the map in the offseason, whether that be a big trade or whatever, you know, kind of consolidating some of these draft picks, consolidating some of these assets, and just getting whoever the next disgruntled guy is. Does that kind of line up for you in 2023, or is, it, or is that still kind of down the road? I would love to see them do it in 2023. Like, you have so many picks. Um, you've got a lot of guys on the roster. You're going to have a top whatever pick next year to add as well. I think eventually you do have to go get that star, that guy. You have to make that Minnesota Gobert level. Wow, they just gave up so much. Oh, look, they still have nine first-round picks. Like you have that kind of, you have those assets. I I would really like to see that happen next summer because I think once once Chet, Shea, Giddy, Dor, like all these guys, whoever you pick at X next year, Williams, Jang, you, you're kind of one piece away. And then at a certain point, you can't really draft and wait for that to come. I think you have to go get it. So we're getting really close. Yeah, I, I think we are getting very close to an all-in move in Oklahoma City. I think that obviously if the stars align and it's a guy under control for a little bit, like four years, three years under control in his contract, then you really need to go get him uh, because then he mm -hmm. kind of matches up really well with the Thunder and you're not going to just be a, have a rental or anything by, by any imagination, imagination for that. So I think that we will see the Thunder do something fun next offseason beyond just the draft. But this offseason was a fun little tease to that. I think that the moves, both in that front office move and the assistant coaching move, was a move in the right direction in terms of getting back to winning basketball. It might not show its head this offseason and this season, but I think that over the course of the next few offseasons, you'll start to see those two hires really impact winning basketball in OKC. But uh, Derek, thank you for joining us. Let them know where they can find you, what all you're up to nowadays, and uh, and uh, how excited you are for the NBA season. Yeah, pump for basketball to get ready to get back. You know, the break is always nice, but then you start itching for it. So um, doing a lot of high school tape right now, honestly. Uh, a lot of recruiting stuff going on. Um, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, some of the top guys in the country are picking schools, and we're trying to find who the next one and two and duns are. So working on that a lot. Um, our draft coverage will start back up here, and – Probably about a month, we'll really, really ramp it up, uh, Matt and I will. So right now, you can find all my stuff on Twitter. Uh, D. Murray Hoops is where I am. And again, I appreciate you very much for having me on. It's always a good time. It's always fun. Thanks for uh, hopping on again. And so until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 